You know, but before I was a pastor and I actually had hair, it was a long time ago, uh, but I had another job, I had another life. Some of you know that, and that was that I worked in professional sports. And I did that for 22 years in a, in a variety of different ways. But from the very first day I worked in professional sports, there was one saying that all of us who worked in professional sports would always remind each other, the ring is the thing. And the ring is the thing is about when a team wins a championship, whether that's in professional or college or even now high school, sure, the team gets a championship trophy and, and that trophy goes in a case or it, it goes somewhere where people can come by and look at it. But for the players and now for the staff, you get a ring. You get a championship ring. And a championship ring is special because it symbolizes the journey, it symbolizes the struggle, the joys, the ups, the downs. And, and so I remember many, many years ago when the team that I was working for, we owned a minor league hockey team called the Orlando Solar Bears. What a great name. I was a part of picking that name too. So Solar Bears. Sell hockey in Florida. It was fun. Well, we had finally, finally won it, and, and they told us that we were going to get a championship ring, and I just, I couldn't wait. And I remember the day when I went up and got it, and I actually have it on today. I don't wear it very often, and it has like a little diamond in it. It has my name in it. It's got the logo, and it was just amazing. It was just awesome. And I would wear it all the time. I'd say, oh, hi, how are you doing? How are you doing? It's good to meet you. Oh, I couldn't see, couldn't see. You know what I mean? I made sure everybody knew that I had this ring. And, you know, you feel good about a ring, but sometimes other teams really step up in the kind of rings that they give their employees and staff. And I'm thankful for my ring, but let's, let's take a look at, at a ring right here. Let's put, oh, there's God's team. Right there it is. That is God's favorite team, the Eagles. Look at that glorious ring. Look at all the diamonds of that ring. I mean, and this is something that players and staff got. And when you're God's team, you're going to go all out. Let's go ahead and put up the next slide, right? There is the 2018 Clemson Tigers. You got a little paw of diamonds. Like, that is an amazing ring. Can you imagine as a college kid just walking around with a cool ring like that? And let's put up our last one. And that is the Toronto Raptors who won the NBA title uh, the year before the Magic will win it this year. And this is the ring that they have. And I mean, just look at all of those diamonds and the red stuff's probably a stone. I don't know what it is. But those are, they're ginormous rings. And it's awesome, right? And so if you work in pro sports, the ring is the thing. And so that's what you strive for. That's what you think about. That's what you do every day. It's about the ring. The ring is the thing. And believe it or not, there is a ring that you and I need to strive for that's greater than a championship ring in sports, even greater than a wedding ring in life. And that is the signet ring. And you may say, well, what is a signet ring? Well, we're going we're gonna to unpack that and understand why the ring is the thing. So if you've got your Bibles, we're bringing in the book of Haggai for a landing. So if you will, open up your Bibles or pull it up on your phone or look up here, Haggai chapter 2. And remember, Haggai is a prophet that God spoke to his people. The people were in exile for 70 years because of their disobedience. They had come back. God made it very clear they had their priorities wrong because they were more worried about their house than the house of God. God reminds them, I'm with you in this journey of rebuilding not just the temple but our relationship. 
God kind of challenges the people to say, what is the theme of your life? Are you living for the glory of today or the future glory? And then last week, we kind of talked about that people all crave God's blessings, but the only way blessing really happens is through submission to God. So as we bring the book of Haggai now in for a landing, we're going to look at the last three verses. So here's the word of God. The word of the Lord came to Haggai a second time on the 24th day of the month. Tell Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, that I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overturn royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers, horses, and their riders will fall, each by the sword of his brother. On that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant Zerubbabel, son of Shelatiel, declares the Lord, and I will make you like my signet ring, for I have chosen you, declares the Lord Almighty. You know, throughout this study, we've been kind of pointing out how there's a lot of dates in this book and how scholars have been able to kind of trace back when these actual things took place. And so last week we saw that it was in December that God spoke to the people. Well, actually, this is the same date. So this is kind of a two-for. It was a two-for-one. So one day, two messages. And so we see that the message here, that the word of the Lord came through Haggai to Zerubbabel, which is different because up to this point, the word had always come to Zerubbabel, had always come to Joshua, had always come to the remnant, but now they just comes to Zerubbabel. And here's a message that God has for Zerubbabel. And Zerubbabel, you know, he was trying to lead people to, to rebuild the temple of God, which the people had let fall into disrepair, which they did not prioritize in their life. And the temple symbolized the presence of God. And so what Zerubbabel is charged to do is help people rebuild their relationship with God. And the people were, they were discouraged. Things weren't going very well. And, and so he really needed some encouragement. And we need to remember some of the encouragement of God. So I want to read this to you here. It says, this is what, this is from Zechariah, a contemporary of Haggai, another prophet. He said, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. What are you, almighty mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you will become level ground. Then he will bring out the capstone to shouts of, God bless it, God bless it. Then the word of the Lord came to me. The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple. His hands will also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord Almighty has sent me. And what this is talking about is Zerubbabel you're not going to have to finish the temple by yourself. I'm with you. God's with you. It won't be by your strength. It'll be by God's strength. Because remember, there were surrounding nations that did not want Zerubbabel to lead the people in rebuilding the temple. He did not want the people to do this. And so he was discouraged. And sometimes in life we can feel like that, that everybody's against us, that everything's against us, that nothing seems to be going our way in life. And this is an encouragement to say that God is with you. God is for you. In fact, that God even says, no matter how big the mountain is, Zerubbabel, it'll, it'll fall before you. How many of you have mountains in your life? I know I've got mountains in my life. And sometimes we think, I'm never going to make it up this mountain. I'm never going to overcome this mountain. But what God is saying, I'm with you, I'm for you, and it won't be by your power, and it won't be by your might, but it'll be by mine. You will experience victory by my hand. And so God was saying to Zerubbabel, I've got you. 
I've got you. Even when you don't believe in you, I believe in you. And you say, well, how, how is God going to do this? The people are discouraged. The temple's not being rebuilt. I mean, we look at, at, at Haggai. He's, he's, he's not even that big of a guy within the Bible. We know about four months of his life, and then we know nothing about him. So there's so many reasons to believe. How is this going to work? God's going to flex his sovereign muscle. God is going to show Zerubbabel and the people and the world that he is sovereign. Because, and we talked about this just a, a few years ago, that there's a lower story. And that's our life, right? There's a lower story of all that we go through. And that can be up and down and difficult. But then there's an upper story. Then there's what's God doing. And we can't see the upper story. But what God was doing was he was restoring the Davidic line the house of David. And that, that upper story was about bringing restoration between God and his people. The lower story is the ups and downs of all that we go through, the heartaches, the troubles, the frustrations, the pain. And yes, we can think that life is just the lower story, but there's an upper story. And we don't see that. We don't know what God's doing. So what God is saying, there's an upper story going on here. And so he tells Zerubbabel this. He says, I am going to shake the heavens and the earth. I will overthrow royal thrones and shatter the power of foreign kingdoms. I will overthrow chariots and their drivers. God is saying, don't get caught up in the lower story because there's an upper story here that I'm sovereign and I'm going to show you, I'm going to shake the world. I'm going to overthrow kings and kingdoms. And see, if we live for just the lower story, it's going to be depressing. But there's a big upper story that we have to have faith in what is God doing. What is God doing? What's going on in your lower story right now that you're trying to fix, you're trying to control? And not trusting that God's got an upper story that he's doing in your life right now. Something that's so big that you can't even understand it. And so that's what God was saying to Zerubbabel. He said, there is something bigger going on here. He says, I will shake the earth. God is going to disrupt the world order. God is going to speak into the world in a way that the world can't even comprehend. And the way that we can trust God for future blessings is by looking at the past. We talked about this, I think it was last week, that we all have spiritual amnesia. We forget how God brings us through every storm in life. That all we have to do is look to the faithfulness of God in the past so that we can trust the future blessings of God. And so what God was saying to Zerubbabel is there's an upper story. You can trust me and I'm going to shake the world. And sometimes God has to shake our world so we can stop living in the lower story and start to focus on the upper story. That God is rebuilding our relationship with him through Jesus Christ. Because the lower story, we, met, we mess it up. We mess it up with our sin, with our disobedience. That's why the people were in exile for 70 years, because they were disobedient. But God said, that's the lower story. Here's the upper story. I'm going to bring you back. And he says that I will overthrow kings and kingdoms. Understand that in the world, the most powerful things were kings and kingdoms. They had armies. They were military. They were smart. They were powerful. They were numerous. And God said, I will overthrow kings and kingdoms and armies. What's the army that you're facing today? Maybe it's an army of problems, an army of debt, an army of worry, an army of anxiety. That's lower story thinking. God said, look at the upper story. And I'm sovereign. I'm in control. I can do these things. And when we read that language and it talks about chariots and it talks about soldiers, it, it should hopefully connect us back to the exodus. 
You remember when the people of God were slaves in Egypt for over 400 years, generation after generation, all they knew was being enslaved? Remember God sent Moses, the reluctant leader, the, the guy who didn't feel he was a good speaker, kept sending him to Pharaoh? And, and Pharaoh, he, he said, Pharaoh, let my people go. Pharaoh said, no, God would send a plague. Again, God's showing that upper story control. Moses couldn't do it in the lower story, but God was doing it in the upper story. So finally, Pharaoh relents and lets the people go. And so they're getting their way out of Egypt, right? And all of a sudden, here comes the mighty Egyptian army. And all of a sudden, the people come up and the Red Sea's in front of them and the army's behind them. And they've got what I call a Red Sea moment. What are they going to do? What are they going to do? They could focus on the lower story of we can't get through the water and the army's coming on us and then God intervenes with this upper story and he parts the Red Sea. And they walk through and what happens to the Egyptian army? Swallowed up by the water. Because God had an upper story plan for his people. And the book of Haggai is about God's upper story plan to restore and redeem and reconnect with his people. And he will do that in our lives because God does the impossible. He talks about how the troops would even turn on each other. That's a reference to the book of Gideon. You remember Gideon had this small army and he didn't have any weapons and he had to go up against a massive army and God brought such confusion to that massive army that they turned and they killed each other. God can do amazing things and we'll miss it if we only look in the lower story. There's an upper story thing going on in your life right now. You may not believe it, you may not feel it, and you may not see it, but know that God is doing something in your life. And that's what God was saying to Zerubbabel. I'm doing something in your life. And to prove it, if you take a look at verse 23, three times in verse 23, God says, declares the Lord, declares the Lord, declares the Lord. I think God's trying to get our attention. Three times in one verse, he says, I'm going to do this and you better watch this. God says, declares the Lord that when God says this is going to happen, it's going to happen three times in one verse. He is saying to Zerubbabel, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. You need to watch what I'm going to do. It's going to shake up the world and it's going to shake up you because you can trust my promises. He says three times, declares the Lord. And you may say, gosh, Zerubbabel, he was just a, a civil servant. He wasn't a prophet. He wasn't a priest, right? He was just a regular guy. See, sometimes we believe the lies of the devil that were insignificant, that God would never or could never use us, that God doesn't care about us. God cares about each and every one of us. God has a purpose and a plan for our lives. We are not random. We are not accident. He has an upper story that is going on. And we cannot believe the lies of the devil. And Zerubbabel is a wonderful example of that. He was just a regular guy, a civil servant that God said, trust me, I'm going to do something amazing with you. So he says three times, declares the Lord. And he says, Zerubbabel, you're my servant. What a wonderful thing to be called by God, a servant of God. I mean, Zerubbabel, his job was to help the people rebuild the temple. It didn't matter whether the people were excited, enthused, or, or doing a great job. Zerubbabel was faithful with what God called him to do. And God called him my servant. 
And so we start to say, how is, how is this going to work? How, how is God going to rebuild the relationship with his people? How is Zerubbabel play a part? And most importantly, how does this connect to Jesus? Because Jesus is the ultimate restoration. I want to read you something from Matthew. It says this, After the exile to Babylon, Jeconiah was the father of Shelatiel. Shelatiel, the father of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, the father of Abud. Abud, the father of Elikim. Elikim, the father of Azor. Azor, the father of Zadok. Zadok, the father of Akim. Akim, the father of Eliud. Eliud, the father of Eleazar. Eleazar, the father of Methan. Methan, the father of Jacob. And Jacob, the father of Joseph, the husband of Mary, to whom was born Jesus, who is called the Christ. And you thought genealogies were boring. <laughs> you thought, let's just skip over that part. But when you look... That's all part of God's upper story plan. It started with Zerubbabel, but it ends with Jesus. And they're both a part of the same plan, restoring the Davidic line, the house of David, because out of the house of David comes the Messiah. And through the Messiah, we have restoration with God. We have redemption with God. We have forgiveness with God. Through Jesus, the upper story plan comes to fruition, that there's hope. And so we see that God is saying to Zerubbabel, you're a part of something bigger. You're a part of the upper story plan. And God said the same thing to David. Let me read to you what God says to David here. He says, the Lord declares that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body. And I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men when floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. That was a promise to David. That's another upper story promise. That God says, you may not see it, but I'm going to use David. I'm going to use the house of David and will bring forth the Messiah whose throne will be forever. And we can look at this and say, well, aren't things in jeopardy? The people were in exile for 70 years. They were disobedient. Things were not going to work out. God has an upper story plan that you and I are not big enough to mess up. That's one of the many smart things that my wife tells me literally daily. You're not big enough to mess this up. And we're not. We're not big enough to mess God's upper story plan for our life and for his kingdom. And so what God was saying to Zerubbabel is, I'm going to do this. And I love, I love this phrase. He says, I will take you, my servant, and I will make you my signet ring. See, God loves to take and to make us into something different. God loves to take what the world would say is of no value and make it into something so valuable for his kingdom. God took Abram and made him Abraham, the father of many nations. God took Saul and made him Paul. God took Jonah, who was running from God, to be a prophet of God. God loves to take and to make us into something so much bigger than we could ever think. We look at Zerubbabel. He was a regular guy. And God said, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you into something that you could never imagine. And that is a signet ring. 
See, a signet ring, and we talked about it, the ring is the thing. A signet ring was something that in the ancient world was used that when a letter was sent from a king to a king or family to a family, it would be put into like a little putty on the back of a letter. And what that would show the recipient of that is who the family was, their heritage, their strength, their power, their presence. And so what God was saying to Zerubbabel, you will be my signet ring. You will be like my signet ring to be specific. And that means you will be my presence. You will point to my family, my heritage, my power, my presence. And we know that this is ultimately fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus is the ultimate signet ring of God. It is God's power. It is God's presence. It is God's promise. The ring is the thing. Are we living for Jesus, the signet ring of God? And secondly, are we being a signet ring for God? Are we being the presence of God for others? Are we being the power of God for others? And it's not about who we are. It's about who God is. God can take Zerubbabel, a civil servant, and say that you are my chosen one. You are my signet ring. And God is saying the same thing to you and I. God chose you. God chose me. God chose us. If you remember uh, the movie Evan Almighty, Steve Carell, Evan Almighty, really a funny movie. And, and basically he takes on the persona of Moses because God who uh, kind of calls him and says, this is what you got to do and nobody believes him. And his family kind of says, you're crazy. And, and he, God even starts to mess with him on, on his hair. And so he's got this long white beard. He kind of looks like that traditional Moses that we view. And there's a scene in that movie where the crowd was all there and the, and the people, or no, it looks like, no, I'm sorry, um, and the crowd asks him a question and it says, why do you think God chose you? And I love his response. He says, God chose all of us. God chose you. God chose me to be his signet ring in this world. To show people the love and the passion of Jesus. We used to say, I remember it, the ring is the thing. Are you living for the signet ring of God through Jesus Christ? And are you being the ring that others can see Jesus? I want us just to real quickly, and if you have a pen and paper, you may want to just kind of write this down. Um, kind of an overarching view of Haggai. The goal was hopefully for you to understand the book of Haggai. So here, here are a couple of things. Number one, um, it's never too late to get our priorities right. Put God first. Put God first in your life. Don't make him a priority, make him the priority. Number two, that God is with us and desires to rebuild our relationship with him. No matter how far you feel you are from God, he loves you and he wants to rebuild a relationship with you. Number three, God needs to be the theme of our life. Our job, our kids, our marriage, those are not themes of our life. The theme of our life needs to be Jesus. Number four, God blesses us when we submit to him. We all want God's blessing for different things and in different ways, but true eternal blessings, salvation doesn't come unless we submit. And five, and what we talked about today, the ring is the thing that God will take and make us his representatives. I want to encourage you as I'm going to ask our worship team to, to come back up, is to just really reflect on, on the lessons from the book of Haggai and how God could take just a, a small group of people 
a very simple man in Zerubbabel, and be a part of continuing the upper story. I'd also ask you just to reflect. Your lower story is not your final story. The upper story is your final story. Trust in that. Believe in that. And watch God work.